Hi, FI Europeans. This is Matthias, and today I interviewed Tim Lai. We had him already in the podcast in episode number 90, and this time we focus on the flag theory. We explain again just briefly the concept of the flag theory, as we already touched the topic in episode number 71 with Christoph from Staatenlos. So it's basically how you choose a country for your residence, your business, your bank accounts, and so on, so that you can optimize your tax spendings and lifestyle. Tim will also provide us with some real-world examples as he lived in four plus countries, and we focus on how you can apply the theory within Europe and give you some real-world ideas how you can apply and start your flag theory journey. Plenty of insights today in this episode. I'd like to invite you also to further discuss your ideas on the topic in our Facebook group. Just go to financial-independence.eu community. So, see you in a sec. Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast, where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them, about optimizing your life, do arbitrage and making the most of your money. This was your host, Alvar, Arminta and Matthias. Welcome everybody to another episode of the FI Europe uh, podcast. And today we have a guest we already had in the past. It's Tim, Tim Lai. Um, hello. Hi. <laughs> and um, yeah, in the last episode, we talked about your, uh, your journey, um, how you escaped um, your employee life. Mm -hmm. and went to Portugal and now we want to focus more on the flag theory and you also have um, you have read a lot about the flag uh, theory you have been also in the nomad capitalist podcast mm -hmm. in 2017 already yeah gosh time flies and as I calculated I wrote an article for them as well yes yeah and um, a lot of time passed so that is a podcast of uh, nomad capitalists not even online anymore <laughs> <laughs> We found out, and um, you touched already minimum four countries, I calculated. Yeah. For living, uh, you lived mm -hmm. at least in four countries. Yeah, like officially lived in four countries, and like I also have like a semi-official Taiwanese residence as well. I've never actually lived there longer than like four months. So, and what happened since the last interview, just for chit-chat? Well. <laughs> Anything um, change in your life? Because, you know, uh, this COVID stuff happened. And uh, maybe yeah. some people were writing you anything that changed in between? So the points to be made, my uh, travel website has probably understandably kind of gone to, to zero with uh, the income. So I had to make a decision, just basically pause all activity on that side. For a lot of people, that would be quite a heartbreaking thing. But for me, it's just business. You just carry on. <laughs> you just chop and change when you need to, because, I mean, this mm. is a global pandemic. You have to act quickly. So um, since then, I've been um, doing some programming work to make up a new exciting website to um, to help with the accommodation industry. Um, I don't want to say too much more about it, but uh, that's that's what. Be it careful! Is. Be but careful! Also, don't disclose too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I've said enough there. Um, but also, I'm doing some of my engineering stuff. I've got a YouTube channel on structural engineering now to, to complement what I was doing before with the structural exam. Actually, business on that side has in, increased because people had now finally found the time to be studying for the exam. And so I've got a YouTube channel on uh, things related to that. And I'm also building some computer hardware, which uh, which is a lot more exciting for me as well because it's, it's uh, electronic engineering which um, fascinates me I've, I've never really been an electronic engineer other than during my phd time but uh yeah it's, it's good fun to get back to that as well 
And what type of hardware is it? Uh, some IoT, uh, um, smart home device? No, no, it's uh, computer peripherals. There's nothing too complicated, but uh, my, my input is more the mechanical engineering side, but mm -hmm. I still have to do the electronic stuff um, because I'm probably the most capable out of the others, but it's still, I, that's not to say I, I am capable, but I'm more capable than the others. <laughs> um, it's the it's what's the saying? It's uh, in the land of the blind, the the one with one eye leads. Uh, I I can't remember the full saying, but that's that's the uh, that's the concept anyway. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so um, it's only been two months since we had our recording, right? And uh, yeah, a lot's changed. But obviously, COVID nineteen is one of the biggest things of our entire generation. So it's pretty good that that uh, COVID helped you to um, to shift your focus and try out new things. Absolutely. That's um, very good for, I think for many people, it's uh, really good to, um, yeah, to try different things and to cut uh, old cables, cords. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know where the points to be made will come back. I mean, it, I, I hope it does because, you know, that's a very nice passive income generator and um, it's, it, you know, it, keep, it are, pays for are, one of my bills. So um, Yeah, they, they already scheduled new, um, I think Ryanair is starting flying again in July. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> uh, with the air, I'm invested in this air. <laughs> they, um, they, or, they already started in May. Yeah. And yeah, I but think yeah. we'll come back. So yeah, um, quite a lot of changes, as we can see. Uh, yes. But, uh, but a, a lot of the stuff, I mean, kind of, you know, back on the flag theory side, a lot yeah. of the concepts kind of come kick in. Like, as, as we've seen, like, mm -hmm. uh, we've seen the governments of various countries respond differently to... So this whole situation, every country is kind of, they're so different. Um, it's amazing. Before we explain quickly what it is again, I mean, we, we also had this uh, flex theory in the episode number 20, uh, 71 with Christoph from Startenlos. We already had okay. the topic, so, but we have to, I think we have to quickly explain what it is. So basically, the flag theory is the concept where you separate which country or which, which jurisdictions have a say over whichever part of your life. So I've tried to say that as general as I can, but in in day-to-day -day practice, you you put um you where you earn your money, where you live, where you spend your money, uh where you spend your time and where you store your money or assets in general. You try to separate all of those out. Well, in in economics you would call it a diversification of risk. Um in personal finance, I just think it makes just plain sense to do it. You know, don't don't um put all your eggs in one basket. Um, but also the fact is that if you can choose what to do with it, you kind of look at everything in quite an objective manner and you can kind of solve whatever problems you have in your life with, you know, just, just very simple things such as where, which country um, gives you free banking compared to, you know, where you live. If you're, if you're paying 10 euros a month for your bank account in your home country and your country next door is free, well, just open an account there. If they allow you, they should do. If it's in, if it's inside the European Union, then nearly all EU countries will have a bank that allows non-residents, but in a different EU country, to open a bank with them and accounts with them. True, and um, I would say, why not putting the eggs in the basket? Uh, you know best, you know, because you have now you have to learn about five more baskets and and the other basket mm. to separate out what's best. So that could also be. Um, do you think? The time investment is worth. I would say yes, um, not because it takes it can take a long time to arrive at the final answer, but the processes 
of discovering what is available um, is actually quite enlightening. For instance, like if you've never, if you've lived in Netherlands your whole life, you might not realize that a lot of other countries don't charge wealth tax. And you know, if if you if you're from the UK and you're moving to another country for the first time, you might be surprised that other countries charge gambling tax or gift tax, this kind of thing. And it's it can it can come as a shock if um, if you've never done it. But in the current situation, well, prior to COVID, like a lot of people are moving countries either to become a student for a for a course in another country or they're taking up their first job in another country. And naturally, you're going to find out what the rules and regulations are of your new country because you just have to play by the rules. But in doing so, you kind of start to ask questions to yourself. Hey, what what's the rule about this? You know, let's say inheritance or property tax, this kind of stuff next door in a different country. And the process of discovery is quite fascinating. And also, like the more you learn of it, the you know power to you. Like no one's going to take your knowledge away from you. So I, I absolutely do think the time aspect is well worth it mm -hmm. and um so you don't do it just because you want to feel smarter than everybody else. no 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 <laughs> um i mean you will end up smarter than, than everyone else that's that's of just course, given. of course you also say that there are natural cases where you for example you go uh, for a job um for a job offer in switzerland and you have to learn about there how the country is structured and the system works and then you think of oh Why this? This is not bad. Why? Why don't I? Uh, I could just open a bank account in Switzerland, or I could just, um, yeah, pay, pay tax in Switzerland. Or maybe yeah. you should do not that, but because it's too expensive. <laughs> so it's the, the there are quite um, defined rules about um, where you need to be paying your taxes or expenses. I mean, it sounds like everything is all about taxes. No, no, no. like we we do flag theory because of expense in general, not not because of. I mean, tax I just classify as a type of expense, but. For instance, I mean, the, the more obvious cases of flag theory are if you live right on the border of two countries, especially in the Schengen area, where you don't have border checks between them. Uh, I, used to, I used to live 20 minutes from the German border when I lived in Groningen in Netherlands. You know, if a liter of petrol or benzene, as they call it um, back then, was like €1.70 per liter. Uh, but in Germany, it was like €1.40. So of course I'm going to Of course, I'm going to cross the border, which was only 15, 20 minutes away, but also do a whole load of other grocery shopping while I'm in Germany. It's shopping around to make sure you get the best deal. But also, like, uh, if you, if for instance, you are earning US dollars for your job, but even though you live in Europe, you want to have a bank account that can securely hold your US dollars and let you tra um, trade in dollars freely, as frictionless as possible. And Yeah, it's it's just try to make sure your life is as streamlined as you, as you can make it, but also for your business as well, because business uh, corporate uh, personality is different to you individually, and so that this is why flag theory is so important. Mm. And so maybe we we just for ex for the sake of examples, we dive into what flex you already planted. Yeah, um, and why. Yeah. Well, for everyone, there's going to be a place where you're born. For some countries, it makes it matters a lot. Like the USA, they give you citizenship if you're born there. Um, there aren't that many countries around the world. If you're born in one country, they give it to you. I, I know nowhere in the EU that gives you citizenship automatically just by being born there. Uh, I mean, otherwise, it's too obvious to become a EU citizen. So, but uh, usually, it's where you grow up and you naturalize, become a citizen. Then you've got where you have a bank account. There's a, a, the, whichever country you study or work. So, I mean, I, I grew up in the UK, 
um, even though I was born outside the UK, but I studied, I grew up most of my, most of my life in the UK. And then um, I went to work in Netherlands, working for Shell. Um, I had a couple of years of being a digital nomad, so traveling around, making sure I had uh, as few ties as possible to, to any country. No, but now I'm in Portugal and I'm fully tax resident in Portugal. I do all my work online. I mean, yeah, it's, this, is, this is the modern world. Like almost all work can be done online unless you're in a kind of a manual labor job. But uh, I've, I've tried to make sure that all my work is uh, able to be done remotely. Um, so you, you're not doing anything of this um, to, to completely fancy stuff like Panama. I, I heard Panama is, is not on vogue anymore. No, I don't, I don't do that. I mean, no uh, Hong Kong, no, um, what, what else is there? It's Cyprus, maybe? Yeah, well, it was, it was Cyprus and so Cyprus and Malta are, are popular ones because they're in the EU. But I think most people don't realize that the Netherlands and the UK and the Ireland, I mean, UK is not in the EU anymore, but it still plays by EU rules for now. But the, those three are like some of the biggest tax havens <laughs> within the European Union. But not just, not, I, I, keep, I keep trying to stress that it's not all about tax. It's all about being efficient because for instance if i want to transfer euros to my bank account from from british pounds i, I use transferwise and my um i can transfer pounds to euros in approximately 10 seconds and i live 20 meters from a cash machine so i can transfer it and i can take it out of the cash machine all within two minutes mm -hmm. whereas if i try to transfer it from my uk account to my portuguese bank account it takes like one and a half working days And I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not wasting that much time. I, I want it done now. So uh, I'm a businessman. So you know, I, I, time is important and, um, and just everything being streamlined is absolutely important to me. Maybe you can give some more examples. So what are good countries um, to do certain things like? Yeah. What is a good country for a bank account right now? What is a good country for opening a business? What is a good country for, and, and how much does it cost? So um, a good country for bank accounts right now, um, Netherlands is uh, uh, actually one of my favorite banks, even though they're kind of a bit old school, but like if you want to have a, an expat non-resident bank account, ABN AMRO in Netherlands is very good because they have a physical branch in Amsterdam Schiphol Airport. <laughs> and that is where your bank account would be registered. And so if you ever need to do anything and because, you know, there's, there's, I think most people who listen to this podcast will know about like N26 transfer wise, these kind of challenger banks. But when you're dealing with kind of bigger institutions, they want a brick and mortar bank account. So this is why you need, you, you need a more traditional bank, but who can offer those kind of facilities. So I really, I like ABN AMRO for that. Um, and they transfer money incredibly fast, like within 10 seconds. And yeah, so, you know, if you have, if you have 10,000 euros, just uh, open a bank account with them. If you're a non-resident, if you can be, even if you're very temporarily resident, you know, you only have to be resident like one month, just go to them, open a resident bank account and deregister yourself <laughs> if you need. And um, yeah, so that's, that's Netherlands. Um, right now, um, Santander, they give EU citizens a bank account in the UK and then, and that's free as well, I think. So I've forgotten what it's called, that particular bank account, but I'll, I'll make sure that you get the correct link for your show notes. That would get you set up in the UK, no problem. Estonia is, is another popular country, not for the bank accounts, though. They're much more strict with bank accounts there. They want a much more kind of traditional type of presence, even though the government is trying to push this e-residency program, 
I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but they, they're trying to make... Um, yes. Yeah. E-residency. E so I have it, but it's not so beneficial for if you are living and working in the EU already. It's more beneficial if you are a digital nomad perpetual traveler who spends most of the time outside the EU, because then you, get a com you can register a company within 20 minutes in Estonia, do, do what you need and trade as a company to other businesses in the EU. Yeah, we, we had that in, in, in some of our episodes um, recently. Um, but maybe there are also other other countries that have great uh, advantages. Um, yeah. to open. I think many are in, in Cyprus. Some also do it in, in Hong Kong. But I think it, it's always changing what is what is good. For example, in Hong Kong, it seems to be uh, more difficult now to open a bank account, I've heard. Yeah, it is. And um, so it, it keeps, keeps on changing. So you have to update yourself. Um, yeah, exactly. Often. And I mean, if you're, if you're a business person anyway, like you should be up to date with all the current rules and regulations. But I just think that um, you should always protect yourself because, I mean, you can always have a bank account and like have either a the very minimum deposit you can in there or in most EU bank accounts, you can have a zero balance the whole time and it's not going to hurt you. So. I'm of the mindset, just open the bank accounts you need and um, oh, sorry, open as many as you, as you can and use the ones you need. What's the benefit of, of having like five or 10 bank accounts in different countries? Yeah. So first of all, you build up credit history in, in each country because each country will have their own records of you. And especially like if you're as mobile as me and, you know, I think most, I think most listeners of this podcast will be in the kind of you know, under 40 years old kind of range um, and probably under 30. So you're kind of in your early career. You're probably going to be very mobile and move countries at least once in your life. And uh, good luck buying a house in another country if you have no credit history there, uh, unless you're buying outright in cash. Um, so this is, why this is why I say like open as many credit cards, open as many bank accounts as you need so that they've got the kind of confidence in you um, to be able to assess your affordability later down the line. And if you can't open a bank account in the other countries straight away, go for the biggest traditional bank accounts you can, like HSBC, Santander, mm. where they have multinational presence, because they're the ones that can help you when you arrive at the new country. They'll, they'll get, get, give your bank account set up as quickly as possible. Don't go for the cheapest bank um, or the challenger banks, because you might want their um, consulting offerings. Um, yeah. In the beginning and and also like you see, um the when you deal with a lot of bank accounts i mean you know i have over 40 bank accounts <laughs> but um uh, when when you when you have as many it, when you get over like five bank accounts you start to get a feel of the personality of each bank the characteristics of each bank and it, it makes a difference when you're applying for things like mortgages you know some mortgages don't like to look at non-salary income, for instance, mm. whereas some mm. countries will look at all your total income, even if it's 100% outside the country that you're applying the mortgage for. Mm. And this is where it's really helpful to be able to just um, understand the banks. And also, like, if, if, you're, if you're a bit more economically savvy, which I'm not, but um, I mean, I understand a lot of things. But when you start to realize how liquid a bank is with their the reserves, Yeah, you, you, you get to know how likely it is you can apply for a credit if you need it. And I, I, I do know that credit is a bit of a touchy subject for a lot of the FI people because a lot of people are saying don't go into debt, whereas I'm like saying take as much cheap debt as you can and then leverage it to, to do what you need. But um, that's the entrepreneur side in me. Whereas if you're more of a typical 
employee salaried income, yeah, you might want a slightly less risky approach. Yeah, and if you have overleveraged, then they're sometimes um, calling you, and um, you know, <laughs> and and in in for example, if you open a bank, if you want to like in in five years, you want to um, purchase uh, some real estate in, mm. in Portugal. Would you say, as as a German, uh, would you recommend open a bank account there now to be able to get a um, a loan then in five years? To yes, yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't. I, I mean, unless you unless you've got a lot of free money, like as I free cash flow, go for the cheap banks. Um, so when I say cheap, I say I mean free. Um, like for instance, Activo Bank in in Portugal, they're a subsidiary of Millennium BCP, which is by far the biggest bank in Portugal. And Activo Bank accounts are free. And like when by the, when you build credit history with them, you're building credit history within the whole institution. So that's one thing. But uh, I still think that uh, if you can build a profile with the more what's the what's the word like i think every bank account has like these kind of prestige kind of accounts for people who are, who are higher earners like every bank account has that kind of yes 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 the premium black, account. platinum accounts uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so if if you can get onto at least one of them um I, I i do appreciate not everyone will be able to but if you can like they tend to they tend to offer better interest rates and help you out a tiny bit more when, when it comes to dealing with non-standard transactions, like retail transactions. For instance, like, you know, I, I, I'm good friends with my bank manager. Like, how many, how many people are, are in that situation with their standard bank? Just to be able to access a bank manager, ask questions, you know, for, at, the, at the touch of a button and be able to ask things, get stuff done quickly. And speed, it really is, the, is of the essence when it's when you come mm, to the business mm, mm, mm. yeah absolutely i i but also you can diversify your your assets put one into a traditional bank and put um put some money into a challenger bank yes yes i i know, I know that it's really um really good to have somebody in in the bank you know uh, because my uncle was also manager of of um one bank in in, in mm. Berlin, and it helped me when i lost my um lost my card or it was stolen uh, Telling me several times, um, and right now it's completely an- anonymous. Uh, if you open a bank account in N twenty six, they don't know you. You know, there's nobody you can call. So it's just yeah. I mean, what I do like about the Challenger banks is you can freeze your card within your app, and that's often faster than calling up the call center of a traditional bank and getting that yeah. frozen. Yeah, except and... if your hand, uh, mobile phone was stolen too. Uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> then yeah bit bit more problem but yeah. even still um the, i mean like i say the, the reason i have so many bank accounts is that you use that you use the correct bank account for each particular purpose so like I, you know, I i often say like you know a, a good chef has multiple knives one is for you know meat um cutting another one is for very delicate work similar things with bank accounts and credit cards you know i have uh, and it comes from my mentality from doing my air miles um travel hacking but Every particular account or credit account is for a very specific reason. I don't usually have, I don't really have a bank account for, for general everything in, everything out. Uh, every, so I, I always, I'm very, um, I control everything to a very tight, uh, <laughs> to a tr- very tight level. So do you have a war room or how do you, how do you monitor your 40 bank accounts? Most of them are zero, uh, uh, ah. zero, uh, balance um and that's that's for the, that's for the purpose of just having a presence in in another country um but sometimes like um even though it's 
strictly speaking illegal. Like sometimes, if you want to buy, um, let's for instance, like a Netflix subscription in one country versus another、mm. country, they want they try to force you to use a card local to the country.、Um, mm. And、yeah. for instance, like the the one that I used、um, recently was the Formula One. I, I watch a lot of Formula One. The the and in Portugal this year I paid well sorry last year I paid twenty five euros per year, but in Spain or in Netherlands, something you have to pay like hundred euros a year or eighty euros. But the fact is, I could use I could select Portugal because and、um, because I have a Portuguese card, I can do that. And if I needed to buy something from Italy, I've got my Italian card. If I need something from Spain, I've got my Spanish card. So now it, that, that explains the forty. So you you have forty card、uh, accounts for each country, or do you? Oh no, no, not have, each country. No. <laughs> or do you have? I mean, not, what's the, what was the forty? Do you have also、um, one account for buying meat, then one account for buying vegetables, or, or how do you use them in the end?、Uh, things like、uh, internet subscriptions.、Um, I put direct debits between one account to another, but because. Uh, for instance, like MotoGP, which I also follow, they have this really bastard design where, like, if you try to go, if you buy their subscription on a trial, like they call it a trial, because、um, they they say if you cancel within thirty days, you're liable to the full year subscription. But then, you know, they they actually make it impossible for you to cancel. They You know, they say technical error, but of course it's a technical error. It's it's obvious that there's that.、Um, it's by design. So what you can do, because you have to put the security card, like the three-digit security code, in when you do your transaction. But with the challenger banks, you can just change your security code. So you, you can never be billed multiple times because you've changed your security code.、Mm -hmm. um, so so like a lot of these online things where they force you into a subscription and then. They make it near impossible for you to cancel. You just、um, I use the challenger banks for that, and、um, a lot of in particular like、uh, direct debits with governments.、Um, they they try to force you to use a local bank.、Um, so for instance, you know in Netherlands, I still have direct debits to the government for、uh, for taxes and stuff like that, and so I have to have a Dutch bank account for that.、Uh, and similarly、mm. in Portugal, UK, and to get refunds as well from the governments, <laughs> like. Yeah, because I I don't think the UK the UK does have IBAN numbers for bank accounts, but when you're trying to get a refund from HMRC, they say give give us your source code and account number, which is a completely different number format. And so,、mm. yeah, it's that that's why I have so many bank accounts. It's by it's by design. Okay, and I I was thinking I have many accounts. I think I have fifteen. <laughs> Um, so there's some room for improvement. <laughs>、um, yeah, how do you manage the bank accounts?、Um, do you have some encrypted、uh, Excel sheet, or how do you? Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, but because because、um, most of them are zero, like you know, if even if、um, anything happens to it, like firstly I'll get notified by、um, by the bank, and because it's very strange for had to have zero account activity for. Two years, and then suddenly, you know, someone tries to withdraw two hundred euros or a thousand euros, whatever.、Mm. But、um, it's usually an encrypted sheet. And and、um, there are also some sometimes banks that offer interest rate, better interest rates. So that would be also、uh, a reason to open a bank account. For example, Georgia Georgia has had、um, some offerings、uh, in the recent years, for six or seven percent.、Mm, not bad.、Okay. Is that true? Probably, yeah. I I I don't even look at savings interest rates because <laughs> that's、um, because、yeah. it's all in your option option trading portfolio. Yeah,、okay. <laughs> no, I mean that that is an absolutely legitimate reason to have a bank account, and actually that's one of the fundamental 
principles of the of the EU. I know Georgia isn't part of the EU, but um, the fundamental principle of EU is that you can use the services and goods of any other country, and they're meant to be competing with each other. It's one big internal market. So you know, if mm. I want to put my money in Denmark or wherever at Greece, no, maybe not Greece. Uh, if I want to put my money somewhere else, it's within absolutely within my enshrined rights to do so, mm-hmm. and yeah, and no one can judge you for it. Yes. Okay. So got it. Enough for bank accounts, I would <laughs> say. And um, how many passports do you have already? I've got two nationalities, but three passports. I have two. I have two British passports, which is quite interesting. It's it's an unusual situation. Yes. <laughs> no. Um, so why? So because I'm such a frequent traveler. Often I have to put, give my passports to an embassy to, so that they can put visas in there. And so, but be, during that time for business, I need to travel while my, you know, whilst my passport is held um, in somewhere else. So I, I have two passports to be able to allow me to travel for business reasons. But also, like if you if you have if you have a stamp from a country like Israel and they uh, and you want to go to Iran or Saudi Arabia for whatever reason, um, then you're not going to get in <laughs> with the stamp in your passport. So you need to have another passport to be able to do that. So, so how do you um, get a second passport? Is there just a form that you you say, okay, yeah, I want a second and a third and a fourth passport? Uh, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, most countries won't public uh, publicize that information because they don't want so many passports floating around, um, but. That is effectively it. So, I mean, mo- some countries are very open with uh, the information, like Portugal. They they say you, know, you can have a second passport. Every country will say you can only have a second passport if it's for very important business reasons, which for me it is. But uh, I mean, if you if uh, if it's for the purpose of leisure and holidays, then no, good luck. You will never get a passport, second passport for that reason. But mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to work my way up for to Portugal nationality, which comes in a few years' time, and so that'll be my third nationality when it comes. Hopefully, I can you know, get a few more before I die and pass it downwards. <laughs> <laughs> um, pretty good. And um, Brexit? Anything that affects you now as a British? Um, you're a British citizen, officially. Correct. Yeah, I'm a British citizen. So anything that that happens to you um, then, if it ever comes. I mean, I'm so I'm in Portugal because of Brexit. Because you know, I have to. Um, my my partner is not an EU citizen, and the UK pretend, even while the UK was in the EU, it pretended it wasn't with regards to immigration rules. Um, so I'll leave a link to the show notes because it's far too complicated to describe it in the show. But um, it's, it was the basis of my nomad capitalist article. But um, yeah, as long as I am in the EU before well December thirty first this year. Then, uh, then I am treated as an EU citizen for the rest of my life. Uh, so, and that's based on the fact that I'm living in the EU. And why would I ever give up my EU rights? And like, you know, if if one day Brexit becomes a success, which you know, I, I don't want to get into political, but you know, it, it could happen or it might not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's to put it bluntly. Um, but if it does become really good, I've got the EU benefits and I've got the UK benefits. And mm-hmm. if UK goes go completely depart, then I'm still I'm still an EU citizen as far as these legacy rights are concerned. So hmm. um, that's so right now you're betting more on the EU side, but it could be that, that the UK will be interesting in the future, and then you yeah. you'll just have the opportunity. Absolutely. I mean, the thing is, like with with these huge political shifts, 
you you never really know what's going to happen. And maybe the people of Hong Kong could um, can testify for that as well, because like, you know, 1997 or 99, when they handed from UK to China, no one really knew what was going to happen. So you, you have to take a, you have to hedge your bets somehow. And my, but like registering as a resident in another EU country is so easy that, you know, why wouldn't you do it? Because you can, you can always surrender your residence, but you can't, you can't claim to be an EU citizen after Brexit, after you've lost all those rights. It's a lot harder that way. Whereas, um, whereas these these uh, rights are retained for life. So you know, it's a, it's a cheap win. And uh, what about Taiwan? Because you, you you're originally from Taiwan. Yeah. Well, it dep depends how you define originally. I mean, I've never lived there. Um, I've I was born there, and within like two or three weeks, I was already back in the UK. Um, okay. My parents were already living in the UK at the time of my birth. It's just they wanted to be around their relatives, so mm -hmm. which makes it incredibly complicated, actually, because like my my birthplace says over there, but I'm like not really from there. <laughs> It's like, a, um, and but you don't have any bank accounts there. You got, I, don't have any business in in Taiwan. You of don't course, have I any have bank accounts there. <laughs> but you <laughs> don't you have before. <laughs> you don't have a, a passport of Taiwan. I you do don't have, have a passport. Okay. Yeah, and citizenship. Citizenship too? Yeah. Yes, uh, you I, automatically have that when you. Um, I have it because my parents, not because I was born in Taiwan. Okay. I, yes. I'm really f feel like a beginner because I'm <laughs> I'm just in Germany. This this kind of everything, maybe a couple of peer to peer lending accounts and crowd <laughs> crowd investing accounts, but mostly just one passport. It's really I have to I have to. Uh, move I mean, it's, German nationality up. is a bit more difficult because it's it's more difficult to have multiple nationalities as German unless it's with a EU country. Whereas um, Taiwan and the UK and Portugal are very openly multinational countries. But what's interesting about Asia, actually, in general, not just Taiwan but Asia, mm -hmm. is like the the whole tax system there. That they have territorial tax system, with the exception of places like I'm going to take a guess because I'm not entirely sure, but maybe Japan has global tax system. I'm not sure, but most um, most Asian countries have a territorial tax system, so mm -hmm. they only ta tax you on what you earn in uh, what you earn from the country. But if you're doing remote work from a company outside that country, then you know, happy days. Jackpot. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. But then you have to live also in these countries. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> this okay. is where this is where you get uh, consultants like me to come in. But uh, no, like some um, many of these countries have uh, visas for for rich Western expats, um, mm. rich relative to them. You don't actually have to like the the actual financial amount is not very high. But they're usually called retiree visas, but they don't define the age of someone being retired, which is good for someone in the fire podcast to be listening to, um, and. Yeah, you basically apply for the visa and they say you need to spend a certain amount of time in the country and usually it's not very much at all. It can, it can range anywhere from like one week to two months in that country, but every country is quite different with how it deals with these visas. So I can't really give you much more of a general guideline than that, but yeah, that's, the, that's how you do it. And actually like um, a lot of the European countries have these kind of rich... It's not that you have to be rich. It's just you don't need to rely on public resources to to survive. So, for instance, Spain has this kind of visa. Portugal has it. UK has it as well, but it's called Tier One Investor Visa. So it's it's a bit different. Yeah, actually, nearly nearly every country has. But has but then you you're a citizen of this Asian country, and you don't get the benefits anymore from 
from being a citizen citizen of Germany or Austria or whatever. So that that's that's quite complex because um, and that's on a country by country basis. Okay, example: living in Malaysia, mm -hmm. um, having this uh, rich rich dude uh, visa, mm -hmm. um, getting receiving money from online work uh, in, in Germany from mm -hmm. freelancing for German comp companies. Mm -hmm. So you get yeah you get you are taxed then in this in Malaysia. Uh, you, you won't uh, well you you won't be taxed in Malaysia because uh, they won't treat it as Malaysian source income. So you and uh, and pr probably depending on the source of on how you structure it, um, like the German business might not even be taxed because you're not tax resident of Germany. So you end up with double non-taxation, non which, which um, a lot of the political parties are trying to eliminate, but then, but then like every other country <laughs> wants that situation because they want to attract the rich people into their country. Mm. So it's, it's, very, it's very much a double standard. This is why, like, this is why I try to be very careful about political debates with this kind of stuff. But ultimately, like, if you're a business person and if you're a fire person, because, you know, everyone in fire is quite resourceful and looking after their cash flow in and out, it, it, you should definitely look towards that kind of stuff. Because, I mean, you, don't have, you can choose not to do it, and that's absolutely within your own business or moral or whatever decision or mm -hmm. your parameters but um the fact is it's there and you know don't stop other people doing it <laughs> um okay so you would say that that will work somehow that that example yeah i mean that's is, is a very common example as well okay but do you still get the health insurance benefits of germany if you if you would call it benefit or do you have, you have, it, you have yeah that's, insurance i so i don't i don't really know about how the german system works um For instance, in the UK, mm -hmm. I mean, I can talk specifically about the UK. Like, you can't you can't use the NHS, uh, the health system, for free if you're not tax resident of the UK. So, even though I am a citizen of the UK, I can't just go there and use the hospital and. And you can't <laughs> and use. Say, you're not in the pension scheme in the in the official pension scheme anymore. Then. Um, social security, not pension, so, but social security. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I, I can't just do that in the UK, but some countries might allow it. Uh, but you know it might work in reverse as well. If you have a, if you have um, citizenship of an Asian country and you live in Europe, you can go to Asia, do what whatever you need there, and come back. Um, and it might be cheaper to do your medical tourism over there. For instance, like I did laser eye surgery because it's so cheap over there and very very good quality, and uh, it cost me about a third of the price uh, uh, to fly there, do it, and come back. So it, mm. it absolutely should make the most of it if it's available. Mm. Yeah, I also heard some stories about um, that the quality is not that good in Malaysia of um, visiting well, doctors. Um, <laughs> depends on the country. I mean, depends I think, on the doctor. Maybe also. Yeah, I mean, I was I was quite happy to do it in Taiwan because Taiwan has a bloody yeah, good yeah. health system. But uh, mm. I probably would think twice about some lesser developed countries. Mm. And okay, so that's about the citizenship. And what? Where would you? open your business right now in, in, in which country? So it depends on your needs. So it's, it's very specific to your industry. Because, For instance, if you are in finance, then the financial regulations are extremely tight. And I don't want to give advice on that kind of um, regulatory stuff because I'm not qualified to do so, even though I, I know how things work. But if you're if you're doing like purely online stuff, um, I knocked Estonia earlier, but they're they're very good. Um, they they have quite a robust uh, digital signing of 
all of the um, filing documents and they, you can do your work in English. Uh, and actually, that's a really important one. Like, you can choose to incorporate in another country if you incorporate a, con- a company because, you know, if, for instance, like even though I live here, I don't want to have a Portuguese company because I don't want to deal with stuff in Portuguese. I want to do it in English. So I can choose from Cyprus, Malta, Ireland, UK, Estonia. Even though, for instance, the Dutch are extremely good at English, all the official filings have to be in Dutch. Well, you know, I, I don't feel so happy to do stuff <laughs> like that, even though ultimately you'd probably have to pay someone to administer your stuff anyway but still i like to be able to read stuff in english so i think i mean really like the uk is a fantastic way to do things um it's uh, nearly everything can be done online there there are some deficiencies here and there but um, uk is very good unless you're of the scale of like multi-billion company multi-billion dollar companies where like a one percent corporation tax does make a difference to you like for most people on a kind of small enterprise level um you just you want to have a good administration rather than a good tax rate so good administration mm. is much more important and um uk ireland estonia are my top picks for that mm. and would you say this this flex theory um when it's when is the time to focus on that because um i have the feeling that you need a lot of uh consulting like legal um tax and so on what networks do you need to have or what size of business do you need to have um, to, to start with it because, because of the setup cost and consulting and so on? So firstly, you don't, you don't need consulting. Like, I, th- I think it's wise to do it, but you don't need to. You can, I mean, we've talked about it very much from the angle of being a business person, but you, can, you should absolutely consider it if you're a consumer as well. Like, because it's, it's, it's exactly the same thing. Like, um, like I was saying, if you live close to a border, well, you, you know, you can do your shopping on this side or that side. If you're a consumer, like you want to have a better place to put your money because, you know, let, let's say you are a citizen and you're a resident of one of the countries in the Eurozone, which is a bit less secure with their own governments, um, with their own banks and governments as well. So, yeah, maybe you do want to put your money into a different country. You know, maybe Germany and Luxembourg or whatever are, are your pick for whatever reason. And you, you absolutely should be looking at that kind of stuff. But also, if you're an investor, you know, for instance, if you are buying stocks in another company, for instance, like um, uh, Unilever, Shell, um, you know, like the, these huge companies where, where they're listed on a particular stock exchange, you have to you have to look into flag theory anyway because you know they're they're not trading in the Vienna stock exchange they're t- they're trading in the Frankfurt or the Amsterdam stock exchange and there there's always going to be a level of cross border communication in, in that front and and when the moment there is cross border stuff then you're going to run into tax you know which side is trying to take out your take your tax and um, which side you can claim your tax refund from. And actually, that's a good point. Like, if you're a Dutch resident, you're paying 15% withholding tax on Dutch issued shares. But uh, if you're living in some countries, um, then you can claim five, 10, 15% back on that. And it's the same if you're if you're a tax resident in, for instance, um, well, tax resident in one country, and let's say in Spain, I think they withhold 19%. Well, then you can claim 4% or 9% back, depending on your double tax treaty. So absolutely flag theory. If you haven't looked at flag theory before, even as a consumer, you are missing out on a huge amount of um, opportunity because yeah. And FOMO. Don't, yeah. FOMO. Don't, FOMO and 
don't succumb to other people's pressures. Like they say, oh, offshore banks are bad, but hang on. Like, you know, there are people who live in Barbados because they're bar- from Barbados. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, what, how, can you, how can you make a judgment on that? Um, as a freelancer, um, would you get, for example, if you're a freelancer in Germany and you, you want to get text in Estonia, mm. do you get a contract in Germany um, if you tell them that they should send the invoice to Estonia? So that depends on whether you are trading as an individual or whether you're trading as a company. Um, by default, companies are tax resident in the country that there is that they are incorporated mm. but there is an additional caveat there that once you create a, what's called a permanent establishment which is a physical presence in a different country then the then the host country can tax you legally but thing is like in in, in day-to-day practical terms like every country um, every company is being managed in another country in some way because that's how the internet works I mean all of these All of these double tax agreements and treaties, et cetera, were written for like pre-Google times and pre-internet times. But um, yeah, like uh, if you are if you're trading as an individual, it's where you are personally tax resident. But if you're going to be trading as a company, then um, this, then you have to be much more careful with the structure. And that, when when you are when you're trying to decide to trade as a company, then you absolutely have to get consultants on board because you have to s- structure it right from the start. Because you can't, like, um, you can't just, I, I mean, I can't just open a company in any other country and say, I'm doing it there because I want to have a better tax rate. No, because that's, that would probably class under abuse and um, tax avoidance. I mean, there's a difference between tax evasion and tax avoidance as well. But um, the guidelines these days are much more kind of penalizing tax avoidance, which is absolutely 100% legal. But If you do too much of it, it starts to verge on abuse. And then, then you run, run into all sorts of issues, not least moral issues. <laughs> And um, yeah, so definitely if you're going to look at uh, creating a company structure to have your stuff organized, you have to have a consultant on board, a business consultant. How would you, what would you Google to get to the, that kind of consultant? Honestly, it's quite difficult to Google because <laughs> the, best taxes, yeah. the best tax consultants are through network rather than Google. Because it's, all, it's very easy for me just to create any page on Google right now and say I'm a tax expert and rank it for the best SEO purposes. Um, and also, like most people want to know how much they're going to be charging at France, but usually these, these negotiations take quite a long time. And also, good tax lawyers are damn expensive. Like, Don't even think about trying to message someone and say, oh, can I meet you for a cup of coffee? I, I'd like to pick your brains. No. F off, <laughs> and, you know, uh, I've built up a huge amount of valuable information. So mm. you, this is why you have to go. I, I would say actually a great place to start is um, if you if you tra- join your local BNI, Business Network International, I think they usually have meeting groups between um, like in every city and you know, every city might have a few different groups. And it's, it's like a what's the what's the more positive word than cartel? But, you know, <laughs> like they. Uh, if someone within every micro group there is an accountant um, an engineer or a lawyer whatever and the idea is that you promise as part of this micro group to like if you get a customer from one side and they need let's say i'm an engineer i am an engineer but someone wants accounting advice well then i pass them to the accountant of my micro group if someone needs needs if someone needs a funeral director you pass them to the funeral director this kind of thing that's a great place to start because 
there's always going to be an accountant. There's always going to be a solicitor or a lawyer. Other than that, um, go to your chamber of commerce. If you, ah, great one. Go to the embassy. Go to the embassy of a particular country in your own country. So for instance, if you're living in Germany, Germany has probably the most embassies out of any other country in the world, maybe apart from USA. But um, yeah, if you want to find out more information about Malaysia, go to the Malaysian embassy because they, they will have printed, ready investor packs for, <laughs> for these kind of things. And they want your business. Every country wants your business. So embassies are actually a really fantastic place to start. And they're very transparent as well. They'll tell you like, yeah, like we have, actually, if you look up the UK, uh, invest in UK type um, things, like, uh, yeah, you just, um, you, you look at that and then um, every country will just say like, we have fantastically great administration, low tax rates. And also the embassy will have contacts with different um, tax advisors, accountants, these kind of things. So yeah, and don't be afraid to seek official advice from, from the government. Because that, they're there to provide impartial advice. Mm. They're, not, they're not going to be there to try and help you avoid paying your duties, but they're there to, abs- they're there to help you grow your, your business. Have you ever made a mistake um, in this um, doing your flexory hobby? <laughs> mm. um, any, anything you messed up, really? Mm, no, but ah. that's because like, I, I, I can't think of anything I've messed up. Um, No, in Germany, but, but in, probably... in German, I would say Streber, uh, but I, <laughs> Streber. I don't... let me look it up. Let yeah, me look yeah. up Streber. That, that we, we, need, we need to take the time to look um, up Streber. But I mean, well, the thing is like... Um... Striver. Do you know Stri- Striver? Swat, Swatter? Eager Beaver? Eager Beaver. Ah, uh, we, uh, we, call, we have a saying, like you, the two different sayings. One is like um, a bull in a china shop. Like uh, <laughs> you go in, you, you go straight in. And the other one is you're very gung-ho. <laughs> about you know, um so basically like you you you're too eager and you do stuff and not hmm. look at everything in detail um what would you uh, many employees are also listening and i have sometimes feeling they cannot do much um, except maybe getting another passport what what do they want with another passport <laughs> and okay they could open a, another bank account in another country maybe they want to buy property in netherlands or in poland okay fine um Is there anything else they could do? Because most things um, are for business people and people who want to do the nomad lifestyle, which is difficult right now in COVID times. Yeah. Um, so for, for most people, I think flag theory will come across, uh, they'll come across flag theory the most when it comes to looking up um, how to invest in another country, uh, in another company or in the, trying to increase their own savings rates. But if you, for instance, like, and it would probably apply to a lot of people, like if you are a contractor, like, like mm. in IT or something, um, yeah, just look up where you can set up an office, a physical office. And it's important that it's physical, mm. but um, yeah, set up an office in, you know, just across the border and then do your invoices from there. Uh, but, you know, it has to be, it has to be a real legitimate business. I have to be. Um, extremely clear on that because you can't just open an empty postbox address and then just do everything from back here. No, it's, it's, um, you have to be there. But obviously, it's much more difficult if you're inland or with much closer, um, much more inside your borders. But um, I could do that. I'm, I'm in Cologne, so I could just open an office in, in, in yeah. Netherlands and go there every other week. Yeah. 
Or, or the other alternative is if you have a friend living in another country, you create a company for each other, and then you 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 do your invoicing for each other. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. that's how contractors work anyway. Because they have mm. an umbrella company who who do your payroll and everything. Mm. Um, now, obviously, that's going to be that may not then if it's very obvious you're doing that purely to avoid tax, then that's absolutely no. And you know, morally, you shouldn't be doing that. But um, if you have legitimate reasons to be doing stuff, because, for instance, you want to invest in property in the Netherlands rather than Cologne, yeah, then you absolutely should be having um, should be having local uh, establishments there. Yeah, I could pretend that I want to buy some center park uh, building. <laughs> well, no need to pretend. Just just do it. I mean, you you, you, you you it's absolutely fine to create a company and just buy one stock of another company. Mm. Um, and because that's part of your whole business, your business is there to get whatever cash flow you need. So, mm. I mean, flag theory is way more accessible now that we've got the internet, and you know, a lot of banks are um, are completely open to the fact that you need to uh, they they need to offer services where you sign online, and you know, to to open bank accounts or or um, incorporating a company or just to do business in general. Um, I mean, it's it's um, I'm like I, said, I want to be careful with trying to portray the image that you should do it because it's you know the the sole reason is going to be for money. No, you you want to do it because you are a business and you want to you know if it if it ends up em employing a lot of local people, then fantastic. That's probably the best business you can do. But uh, yeah, you just you've got to be careful. You, you you need to have a conscience when you do stuff. But um, be mm. also be also aware that multinationals don't have a conscience often, and mm. they, they will absolutely do it. And um, and they're the ones who hold all the power in in flag theory because they mm. they get they get all their tax agreements with the countries before they incorporate and mm. set up a local shop, and so. But like I say, flag theory is way more accessible to everyone than than people realize. And it's not it's not all about avoiding tax. It's really about getting the best value out of your time, your resources. Because you know, who knows? Maybe one day you really do need to open a um, a business in Indonesia, and well, it helps that you've got five years of history there. Mm. And uh, that's how it's gonna help you for financial independence because you can save tax or you can invest better in in in, in different countries. Um, are there other reasons um, why somebody who is um, striving for FI uh, should should start looking to flex theory? Yeah, so it's not just wealth generation; it's wealth protection as well. Like for instance, mm. right now. Right now, like with the COVID situation, um, people may realize that their governments, um, because their uh, their governments, well, my my prediction is that we will see a huge amount of tax rises in every country. Well, not every, but a lot. You might want to you might want to be careful of um, if a country has a wealth tax on any particular um, reference date. But so, for instance, you know they say they say in August we're going to have a twenty percent wealth tax. And we're going to look at what your balance was in July. Well, then you know mm. you might want to just shift your stuff around prior to that date. But also, you should you should, um, it's just in general good business practice that you should be um, should be securing your assets in any way you can. I mean, yeah. you know, if you have a if you have a super rare Rolex watch, you wouldn't put it into your into your home drawer. You probably store it, you know, in a bank somewhere or in a secure box. Yeah, it's it's a lot about wealth protection, um, but also. For instance, uh, I'll give you a real example as well. Like, um, I often have to make bank payments for stuff in Portugal, and they charge a commission of one euro to do a transaction there, plus an extra four 
per cent stamp duty or something like that. So I have to pay like one euro and four cents for just for a simple bank transfer. But if I transfer from here to my bank account in the Netherlands and then pay that from the pay the people from the, my Dutch bank account, I don't need to pay anything with in commission. Mm. <laughs> and um, and also if I'm traveling as well, like if I would need to withdraw cash from an ATM, as I found out in Georgia, my Portuguese bank account charges a fortune. But all I do, but all I need to do is transfer from my Portuguese account to what you know one of my multiple accounts, and um, they they don't charge anything. You know, so that's 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 very much of a consumer situation where it might become very useful for um, for people. Yes, and and you need one day a month um, to to manage and do your administration <laughs> and network calculation and uh, budget tracking and so on. No, But no, yeah, don't. yeah, you can use tools for that. I think that we in Europe we need better tools, but at least there are some. I mean, we're, we're absolutely spot for choice, and we have all the we have some of the best infrastructure in Europe. Just people, I mean, we when we complain about stuff because you know that, that's what we are like as Europeans. We complain about it, but um, don't forget that we have some of the strongest protections um, out of any country. Um, for things like you know, if your bank goes bust, you're you're covered up to a hundred thousand euros for that bank. So you really think that this is working? If then, what is when two? Um, banks go bust. Two banks. Well, you know, this is why you have more than more than one or two bank accounts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so let let let's finish it up. Um, yeah. So um, when people want to talk to you about this and uh, approach you for some advice, um, mm -hmm. where can they find you? Yeah. So um, find me on Twitter at ptbmade and. Well, how else? You can try and find me on LinkedIn. Just look for Tim Lai. There are lots of Tim Lies in the world, though. So you have to look for the one that says points to be made. Or just email me, uh, tim at points to be made.com. Good. And um, what's the one actionable tip um, you would say? We have to ask that every day, every, <laughs> every episode. So, one actionable tip for somebody who's just starting out for flagship theory and wants to get FI um, anything? Yeah, probably um, open a bank account. Yeah, yeah, open a bank account. Not just not just a challenger bank account though, like a real bricks and mortar bank account in a country that's not your home country. With platinum package. Well, it doesn't have to be. Platinum packages might cost more, but um, it doesn't have to be. And if you mm -hmm. are particularly uh, efficient and you manage to do that, try opening a bank account in you know further afield, like mm -hmm. Asia, for instance. Mm -hmm. Why not? And uh, for somebody who's just starting out uh, on, on his way or her way to, to FI, do you have uh, one tip? Maybe also outside of the flex theory, but also inside if you want. Yeah, um, I would say it doesn't really touch so much upon flag theory, but um, I think FI, there's two sides of the equation. One is earn more and the other one is spend less. But if you're, um, if you're not earning more than, let's say, 40,000 euros. It depends where you live, obviously. If it, if let's say if you're in a northern European country, um, if you're if you're earning if you're earning less than that, then your your primary focus should be to earn more rather than to spend less. Obviously, if you're spending too much, then you, you should be spending less anyway. But um, you need to know if you have an income problem or an expenditure problem. Actually, that's the that's mm. the summary. Um, figure out if you have an income problem or ex expenditure problem. So, and if you uh, earn below 40, then you have an income problem. If you earn more than 40, and then you have an expense expen yeah. problem. Yeah, uh, that, that's if you, that's if you're like ending up um, like with no money and no savings at the end of the month. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then, but definitely, I think 
for for FI in general, um, it, there are so many parameters, and it, and I can understand if you're a listener or a reader, it can be absolutely overwhelming. But um, speak to people like me, or speak to people who who are um, around you in your network who are much more efficient and not just efficient, but more conscious minded about and more clear minded about how things work. And um, uh, your 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 most valuable asset really is your network. Hmm. Like if you if you run Tupperware parties, <laughs> no, no <laughs> yeah. just a joke. So let's finish it up. It's 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 getting late. So um, yeah. thank you very much, Tim, uh, for being here again. And pretty sure that we we just have you once again in the show in a couple of months. And yeah, it'll be my pleasure. You. Yeah. Bye bye. Thank, thank you. you. This episode is sponsored by Mintos, and Mintos is the largest peer-to-peer -peer marketplace for European investors and offers a big selection of loans worldwide with regular returns of up to 12% per annum. And FI Europe listeners get 0.5% cashback bonus on their initial deposits. Head over to financial-independence.eu slash Mintos for more information. And the link will also appear in the show notes. Please note, we are no financial advisors, so please do your own research. And by using the referral link, you will also support us to cover the costs of the podcast. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this. Subscribing through your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review. Following us on Instagram and Twitter at Financial Independence Europe. Sending us an email with questions and feedback. We would love to hear from you. All the mentioned articles, books and cool resources can be found in the show notes at financial-independence.eu. Thank you for listening and see you next time.